All right, Leland, it's been another week of high school playoffs. We know that we're actually going to have some teams in the state tournament, more than we thought, um, which is good. Well, at least one. At least one. Stewart's draft is in. Nope. Was that a first-round win they had? I thought that was yeah. a semifinal win. So Riverheads and Gap both facing off in a semifinal. All right, well. means one of them will make it to that region final, and that means one of those two teams will be in states. Um, Riverheads has been on the, on the better tear lately, uh, but, you know, these are two teams that split the regular season. They're rivals. Either team can win that game on Tuesday night. So uh, it'll be interesting what happens there. But whatever team wins that game, will have a spot reserved for them in the state tournament. Stewart's draft on Monday won a quarterfinal. Now they're in a semifinal against Madison, so they'll still need to win another game to make it to a state uh, playoff spot uh, against a tough Madison team. That's going to be a real tough matchup for Stewart's draft. So I think, you know, and we've argued, you know, how good is this district? You know, how well has it got these teams ready for the postseason? I think you look at that Stewart's draft Madison game, and uh, I think that'll tell a lot of story right there. Now, you know, all is not lost to Stewart's draft loses, but, um, you know, that's, that's going to be the indicating thing. The other problem is Wilson, yeah, they've advanced in their quarterfinal against Luvanna on Monday, but they're playing Spotswood, who is 19 or 20 and 1 on the season. Really tough matchup in the semifinal there. And uh, it's, it's asking a lot for Wilson to go win that baseball game. But it's baseball, and as you keep pointing out, anything can happen. Funny things can happen in these one-game, uh, one-elimination uh, games. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's what we got on the baseball side. Yeah, we do, and it it's going to be interesting. And you know, I am hopeful that you know more teams prove me wrong and find a way to win games and get into the state tournament because that's what we want is all our teams to make it. Yeah, and then and it's got to be those teams I talked about. So. Uh, you know, Stewart's draft for Wilson's their only hope left for defined season did end with their play in loss uh, to Rockbridge. Uh, and then Rockbridge got pounded by Spotswood. Um, so, you know, that's kind of an indicator there that Spotswood's winning 15 to nothing over Rockbridge, who beat Fort Defiance eight to four. You know, the transit of property isn't always true, but it shows that strength that Spotswood has shown all season. And um, at 19 and one, and their only loss coming to like, I think, William and Rowe. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's tough to see. You wouldn't predict Spotswood to lose that game to Wilson as much as we would want them to with our local team. Um, it's just hard to predict that. But Wilson, hey, go be world beaters, go surprise everybody and, and make it happen. Yeah, that would be good. And, you know, I think the interesting thing with these single elimination tournaments, and like I said, you know, single elimination, anything can happen is, the, the opposite of what I said, you know, Riverheads, who's been hot recently, could stay hot. They could find a way to beat Gap, and they could win in the region and host a state playoff game. And if they do, then that's great. Um, if Gap beats them and finds a way to win the region and host a state playoff game, that's great, too. Um, but it is going to only be one team from 1B, uh, which is the yeah. unfortunate thing. And then, you know, Stewart's Draft... As soon as they put seeding together, we knew that. Yeah, but Stewart's Draft's going to have to find a way to win at least one more game. I I thought that East Rock was a semifinal, so my bad. Um, And then you have... uh, Yeah, Wilson is going to have a very tough game, but we'll be rooting for him, so... Yeah, we will. So over at Spots... uh, Over at Softball is where we had hope of of maybe multiples. Yeah. um, Because we have one seeds locally. We have three C... We have the number one seed when Fort Defiance, 19-0, and 0, 
Uh, they played Wilson on Monday night and, and took care of them. Uh, they beat them every time they played this season. Lillian Barry, obviously another great game on the mound, and, and she does it all for them. So uh, they won that game. They'll advance to the semifinal. Well, they'll be favorite against whether they get Spotswood or Monticello. They're going to be the favorite in that ball game at 20, you know, now. Um, so that's, that's the big hope there. And 3C, Rustburg is that team I always bring up. It, 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 you got to watch out for. Um, they've had some losses on the season, so you're just hoping that they're they're a touch weaker. They're the two seed, uh, so it does line up for maybe for them to face off in the championship. But have to see what we get when we get there. Fort Defiance playing on Wednesday, and then if they're able to win on Wednesday, that championship would be on Thursday. Riverheads is the other best hope that we have in this area with them playing in 1B as the one seed. They got the first round by. They play Central Lunenburg on Tuesday night. Uh, Buffalo Gap still alive in that 1B also as the three seed. They'll face off against the two seed Rappahannock also on Tuesday night. Uh, so the winner of those two games, Riverheads and Gap in two different games facing off against their opponents, they would play in the championship. So obviously we're hoping, you know, both local teams make it to that championship game. Both teams stamp that ticket to state. Uh, but you know, Buffalo Gap has done well in the postseason in previous years. Last year in 2B, they did made a nice run with the softball team there. Uh, so I'm hoping they can make to that championship game to continue their season into next week as well, uh, you know, win or loss against, uh, you know, what we hope is a Riverheads in that, in that final. So, right. uh, you know, softball is where we have a lot of hope. Um, I wasn't uh, – I do know Stewart's draft in 2B, the lone 2B team, they did fall today to Buckingham. So their season has come to an end on the softball side. So – Still, you know, um, you know, we're looking at two, maybe three there with Gap being, you know, the biggest question mark there uh, because they're having to travel for their semifinal game. But still some hope there to get multiples in, especially with two teams being one seeds. Yeah. All right. Over in soccer, I think we had a, uh, a touch of a surprise there in 3C. Wilson, our strongest soccer team uh, on the boys' side. You know, you know, getting over that Stanton hump this year, they fall to Spotswood because they were only the five seed. They had to travel to Spotswood. They fall in overtime, three to two. So Wilson done right now. And then I worked all Monday night trying to find a Stanton LCA score, and I wasn't able to find it. But that's the only hope for three C there uh, as Fort Defiance had already uh, exited that tournament. So we're still looking for a Stanton score. But you know, Wilson, the team that showed clearly the best team in the Shenandoah district this year. Uh, already out of the playoffs there, falling in the quarterfinals. Yeah, that stinks. And, I mean, they had come back twice in that match to force overtime, and it, it stinks to not be able to get that win because uh, you know those yeah. kids work so hard. But and Spotswood's a good team, and, you know, we had talked about coming into the boys' soccer side that it was going to be hard for, for Wilson to make a run in this region, just not because Wilson's not good, but because – the entire region of 3C is so competitive. I mean, Charlottesville was great this year. Spotswood's been good. LCA, who Stanton played, is fantastic. Uh, Monticello upsetting TA in that region was a bit of a surprise. And, I mean, TA had been so good, and now that they're out, you're looking, it, it really does kind of look like that Jefferson district area and then uh, LCA's in a, can't remember what theirs is. Is that the Dogwood down there? Um, uh, I think they're. Still, I think they're. They're in Seminole, right? Maybe whatever they're in. Seminole they're the. Jefferson. It's got to be Seminole. They're in the Seminole. They're not in the Dogwood. They're not. They're. LCA, so. They're the lone team there, but 
it, it really does look like with Monticello, Charlottesville, Fluvanna's in the Jefferson. So that was a very, very good district this year in soccer, and it's kind of showing in the region tournament. Yeah. I mean, 3C is tough. And, and as much as we talk, you know, we touch on 1B not being as big a challenge in these spring sports sometimes, and, and that's why, we, you know, we've credited Riverheads of having the tough, hard regular season against these 3C teams and 2B teams to where they go into the playoffs and, and they're just better prepared. Uh, is As weak as we sometimes imply 1B is, I think 3C is that strong. They're on the opposite end of the spectrum there, where 3C, throughout the state, people look at 3C and know whoever's coming out of 3C has earned their way to get there in, in most every sport. I mean, it's just, it's just a lot of tough teams there and we've seen that. So, um, you know, Stanton, I was just trying to find the score now, still unable to find anything that, that was, that that's really our only hope left. Stewart's draft in 2B, they fell to central Woodstock on Monday. So their season's done in 2B Riverheads. Yeah. They're still in it. They're the four seed. Uh, they did win a game here in the playoffs against Surrey County eight to nothing uh, after they went, you know, winless in the Shenandoah district here, they go into the playoffs and find a win to move out of the quarterfinals, but they're in the semifinals against the one seed, a 13 and one Appomattox regional governor school team. I, I mean, I'm the biggest Riverheads homer ever. I want them to win that game. I would not bet a dollar on it. Cause I just, I, that's a very strong team that Riverheads has to travel to go play. So really, you know, and, and in reality, Stanton could already be sitting at home tonight. We just don't have that update. So, It'll, it'll be interesting to see um, what we get there. But I think boys soccer could be done. But on the girls' side, one of the biggest upsets of the spring here, um, definitely for our local teams, but the number one seed in 3C was Waynesboro. The girls had a great season, beating Wilson, beating Fort Defiance, opening some eyes, kind of mixing up what we're used to seeing in that Shenandoah District girls' soccer races. They fall in the quarterfinal in their playoff opener. They fall to a hot Fluvanna team who, uh, you know, they beat their uh, as an eight seed, beat the nine seed to advance. And then now they beat the one seed uh, three to two Waynesboro. They advanced to take on Charlottesville. Charlottesville had beat Fort Defiance eight to nothing. So we're done in uh, girls soccer in three C there. But luckily we have. Um, and I know we'll come back to Waynesboro there for a second, but 2B, Stewart's draft still alive. They have a semifinal on Wednesday against Clark County because they beat uh, Central Woodstock on Monday. And then we have Riverheads, Alta Vista. They're both going to states because there's only two teams in girls soccer in 1B. Um, and, and, you know, Riverheads didn't have – they had one win in the district season this year, and now they're uh, in the district championship just by existing. And so hey, it would be nice if Riverheads can win that game. But then you don't. It doesn't spell for a lot of hope thereafter. Um, but you know, coming back to Waynesboro, I, mean, I was really excited about the season that they had, kind of mixing up the conversation. And, and I'm disappointed in that loss, especially to an eight seed. If the, you know they, if they fall in the semifinal, I probably, you know, all shucks it a little bit better. But man, I, I'm just I'm disappointed. This this eight seed was able to knock them off. But it, again, that shows the strength of three seed. That just reinforces what we just said. Uh, talking about the other sports. Yeah, and, and what do we talk about? Charlottesville, Fluvanna. You're, you're looking yeah. at a lot of those same teams having very good years. Monticello pushed Wilson to the brink. So, yeah. I mean, that's a very good soccer district, and you're you're seeing that play out on the girls' side as well as the boys' side. And It is disappointing yeah. for Wayne's, but I'm sure those players are disappointed as well. But um, no doubt. it's still a very successful season for them. They won the oh, Shandoy District, on. and they're going to – yeah, it's something for that yeah. program to build on. And hopefully – 
we do see them take that step forward. I do want to go back because I did find I didn't see a score, but LCA boys soccer did advance according to their ah, Twitter. So and three C boys, yeah. Yeah. All all the LCA teams that played today, I think won according to their Twitter. I, so I I I don't feel like I'm going on a limb. I would just say after after tomorrow on Tuesday night, I I don't think we'll have any uh any boys soccer teams left left, you know, that's I just think that's the reality of it. Yeah. It's a bummer. Not, not excited about that. All right, uh, over to tennis. The quick note there, Wilson's still in it. They're already recorded uh, their semifinal win. They're in the region championship for 3C. They knocked off Monticello in the semifinals. They'll take on LCA or Charlottesville on Tuesday night. So as you're hearing this, you might be uh, uh, getting ready to go, hopefully, over to Wilson and watch these boys play. That They're already set for a state birth there as a team. They have you know Chase Pollen and Connor Miller, um, a lot of good players on that team, and they'll – They'll have individual games for state tournament as well as uh, a team opportunity there. So uh, real excited about the Wilson boys there in that region championship. Hopefully they can keep on going. Yeah. I mean, that's what we, we want to see as many state championships and whatever sports we can rack them up in. And right. uh, that does look like a very real possibility there for Wilson Memorial yeah. to bring home a tennis state championship. And they're, and they're just a consistent program. And it mm-hmm. seems like they kind of, Get right, get to that regional wall in the last couple of years. So I'm excited to see what they can do at the state level. I know they have some experience there, but just uh, I'd like them to win this region and, and them hosting one of those two teams tomorrow night. I think it's a good opportunity for them. Um, some more state success that we expect. Uh, we had a bunch of uh, the region championship uh, track meets, and a lot of those names that we said last week, you know, watch out for were involved. Um, you had Fort Defiance's distance. Uh, with their four by 800 for the girls. Uh, they won. You had Amari Carter at Waynesboro winning the boys 100. That's a great, I mean, that's, the, that's you know, the big race in track is that 100, and, and Waynesboro able to come away with the championship there. And then uh, uh, Malia uh, Cable there, the, the high jumper at Stanton High School, you know, setting records for the school this month and uh, on a national scale. I saw Patrick Heights' article about that. Um, so hopefully he's able to, you know, keep doing that at the state level, but all punching their tickets to the state meet at three C will be at Liberty this Thursday and Friday. So all those people I just mentioned, will be there plus more other people earned their rights there. Um, but the two B region, Leah Wood from draft obviously did great things, uh, went in the pole vault and the 300 hurdles, Aaron nice did good stuff with the 110 hurdles, 300 hurdles and the discus, um, and, and drafts both their teams, the girls and boys, came in second there in those uh, in that 2B region there. So they'll have a lot of representation at the state meet. So a lot of fun happening there on the track, and all those meets are this weekend. Uh, JMU is going to host Class 1 and Class 2 uh, this Friday and Saturday, so that's something to watch out for. A lot of, a lot, I'm sure, you know, all the newspaper guys, uh, especially Cody and um, all those guys up at the DNR will be covering that, so watch out for those updates this weekend. So let's get over, though, to what I've been watching on the TV all weekend. Our Virginia Tech softball did come up short here. Uh, really was hoping they could make it to the College World Series there in softball. And uh, they forced that third game, or, or I guess Florida is the one that forced it, forced that third game. And then Florida, you know, it was one of the most surprising results of an individual game, I can recall, for a team that I – that I like, you know, that I was cheering for just to absolutely get pounded on by Florida 12 to nothing in five innings run rule. Just, 
I just didn't see that coming. If, if Virginia Tech loses that game, okay. Even after last week when things went to the wire with Kentucky, I kind of started acknowledging the fact that, hey, they might not be destined for this college World Series. Like, Kentucky kind of pushed them to the limit. Florida's going to be tougher. I think I said as much on the podcast last week. Still had my hopes. But, you know, after Virginia Tech wins 6 nothing in the opener that got played over two days, and then Florida just starts – they got their offense going, and Virginia Tech's offense went away. And uh, Florida wins that second game 7-2. They play on Sunday. And that, that 12 done, it just – it absolutely surprised me. I, it, you know, if Tech loses that game, okay. But just to get pounded like that really surprised me. So, great season. I, I don't have a negative thing to say in that era. You know, I think it raises the bar. It's something to build off of. You know, the ace pitcher is going to be gone. This was her, you know, plus year here, her COVID plus year here. Um, but they have other girls now on the team, underclassmen that have all this experience and, and they are not loaded down with seniors. They're going to have a lot of these players back, but their ace pitcher was a senior. So, uh, they're going to have to, you know, reformat and come back next year, but that expectation level is going to have risen here after being a three seed in this tournament. Um, but I am disappointed. I, I, am you know, I, I really wanted to watch them play in Oklahoma city and, uh, you know, as a fan, I'm disappointed, but I'm still proud of what they're able to do in raising the bar. Yeah, it's disappointing that they didn't make it back to Oklahoma City, but a very successful season uh, and what was a very successful spring for Virginia Tech. Uh, and, I, you know, you touched on it. It's going to raise the bar for future years, and it's a bummer you lose the, the last game, but um, that happens sometimes. And uh, I mean, If you're playing, if you're on the way to a championship, you're going to lose the last game if you don't win that championship. I mean, right. so... You'd, you'd rather and Florida's be good. Position. It's not like Florida's a bad team. Florida's a good no, team, and they came in go. there and oh, showed goodness, why they're a good team. Yeah. So they and swung a hot bat. It was really – on Sunday, it was really like one big inning that kind of – and it, unfortunately for Virginia Tech, it was early. And that big inning kind of broke it open, and you were like, Mm-mm. And it, they just and never recovered. Theme, a theme that I've seen, and obviously I tuned in more so down the stretch. I, during the year, I watched a couple games here and there, and I just didn't notice this. But down the stretch – the errors in the field really it did it did bite them and there was a lot of two out bad things happening for Virginia Tech you know letting innings get extended it's just you can't do it and so that's something I'm sure they'll work on you know work on the defense and emphasizing the defense but you know when they're down four when they're down one nothing I'm like well they're gonna have to score runs to win and when they're down four nothing I was like well they're gonna have to score runs to win well when you get beat twelve to nothing. It, the 12 doesn't bother me as much as the zero. You have to, you had to score runs to win. And at any point, if Virginia Tech was able to score runs, that would have changed the dynamic of that baseball or that softball game uh, by that point. And so the, the 12 is bothersome, but the zero is more bothersome. So um, that, that was disappointing to just see the offense absolutely dry up. That was the concern in February for the Hokies was, hey, we have pitching. Do we have the hitting? And then – after a little slow start and some losses against Alabama, then came the hitting and they went on that tear through the ACC and, and dominated and won the regular season and, and were beaten a lot of teams, put up a lot of runs and then it dried back up. So it was just kind of that yeah, pendulum of, of a season where you started, you ended where you started with the offense just being the, the problem and you just hate to see that, but that's the game and you, you got to perform. And, and that's what the baseball team's going to have to do. They're going to be on a similar track here. They're going to be the four seed on the baseball side of things. They're going to host uh, the regional. And if they're able to come out of that region, they're going to host a super region, just like the softball team did. The funny thing there, I, I, and it's skipping a lot, but if Virginia Tech's able to advance, 
the top seed in the region that'll come to Blacksburg next week, Florida. And Florida's that team that just keeps on coming back up. Virginia Tech basketball lost to them last spring in the NCAA tournament. Uh, this year, the softball team just lost to Florida. And if things go by seeding, Virginia Tech baseball could see them again. But they have their hands full before then with Gonzaga, who has incredible pitching. Uh, you have Wright State, who they play, that they've had success for already. And then Columbia. Those are the teams coming to Blacksburg. Gonzaga is the next best team there. So that's that's what you're watching there. Um, but they did a great, you know, they they didn't advance in the ACC tournament. They had a great regular season, were the one seed, and that was confirmed, I think, while we were on the podcast last week or somewhere around there. Um, they beat Clemson big, and then they really lost big to UNC. UNC's hot at the right time right now. They beat up on the Hokies, and they went on to win the ACC tournament. So um, that's, that's what we have there. UNC does go into the tournament. They're one of nine ACC teams. Uh, that's where VCU is going to play. VCU is going to go to Chapel Hill um, and they'll play Georgia in the opener while UNC and Hofstra take on the first match. And then we'll see what's out, able to do that. Um, but you talk about VCU. I mean, you've seen them all year. You know how hot they're playing. Yeah, they won 15 straight. They found a way to knock off Davidson in what was kind of that uh, semifinal, a.k.a. the end of the road for the winner's bracket where someone's got to lose and then fight their way back to VCU after VCU is the team that ended up beating Davidson in a game they kind of controlled. They won that game pretty convincingly. Uh, the bats just got hot, and the pitching has been phenomenal for VCU. Uh, it stayed great at Davidson. And then in that championship, uh, they got Richmond because after they beat Davidson, Davidson then had to turn around and play another game that night against Richmond. And the Spiders, who have made a living in the A-10 this year of winning games and pulling off upsets and that being their calling card for somewhat disappointing regular seasons that turn into conference championships. Um, they did it in men's basketball. They made a deep run here in baseball, came up just short uh, because they had to run into VCU, and VCU, uh, again, kept the home runs coming. A ton of home runs this week at Davidson. Locklear uh, has just been absolutely on fire uh, th this past week, um, I want to look up the stat here so I don't misquote it because it is video oh, I mean, game esque numbers. Where and I know when your season was starting because that's when I was tuning into you a lot uh, covering VCU was was at the beginning of the season and and Locklear was that guy that stood out on his stat lines coming in. You know, you knew he was going to be a solid player um, and and he performed well early and then all he did was crank it up from there. I. I with tuning into you and following on Facebook, what VCU's doing, you know, he's been popping up everywhere. I know VCU put out that whole little documentary <laughs> thing for him. Uh, I saw it posted on Twitter. So I, he's just one of those standout players and I'm excited to see what he can, you know, do beyond VCU. Yeah. I mean, he is, it's just been an incredible year for him. And when you look at what he's been able to do here uh, this week, he hit 818 for a batting average <laughs> Three home runs and six RBIs in the A-10 uh, tournament. So it's it was just insane numbers when you look at them. And again, I, I wanted to look at it because I knew it was eight, over 800. But um, to hit 818, I mean, that is yeah better than four out of five hits. And, and again, you know, my brother and I joke about it all the time. Like, baseball is the only sport where you can fail three or uh, fail seven times out of 10 and be considered one of the best ever to do it. 
So uh, for him to fail one out of five is phenomenal. He's been having a great, great week and a great close to the season. And if VCU can keep those bats hot, look, UNC is going to be tough because UNC is another team that's playing really well right now and kind of playing their best baseball. Um, But they get Georgia in that first game. If they find a way to beat Georgia, then – who knows what happens? All um, bets are off, right? <laughs> yeah, all bets are off, and and it'll be a really interesting region. Uh, I I know I personally will be rooting for Missouri State in the Stillwater region because if the four seed over there were to find a way to win, and VCU being the three <laughs> seed finds a way to win, then uh, I believe that means VCU would have a chance to host a super regional, and that would be great for that program. Yeah, that that would be really cool. Uh, other in-state teams, uh, let's go to UVA. I know we have plenty of UVA fans listening. They got to go to the ECU regional. Uh, they'll face Coastal Carolina in an opener, which is a uh, – that game's going to be on ESPN. Uh, you know, I know all these games get uh, hosted by ESPN, but that one's going to be, like, on a network television there yeah. uh, at the end of the week because that's two recent national champions facing off on the opening game of this, uh, you know, opening region here for the college world series. So that'll be a fun matchup there, but then ECU hosting Coppin state. And then, you know, you'd be hoping to make it out of there. They'll have earned their right out of the hat. If they're able to get there. Uh, the problem is earning your right out of there probably leads you to a Tennessee super regional, uh, which will be much tougher. So uh, that's for the UVA fans, uh, Liberty. They've made the tournament. They are in the Florida regional and they will play Oklahoma to start things up and uh, Florida takes on Central Michigan. And the interesting thing, other than Liberty being in this with Florida, like I said, this region produces what could potentially be uh, the winner out of Blacksburg's next opponent, and we hope that's Virginia Tech here on this podcast. So uh, interesting to watch these different ones. I know Old Dominion was upset that they got denied a spot in the NCAA tournament today. Um, Outside of the state, I know NC State was upset that they didn't get uh, a bid, right? Did I hear that right? Yep, they missed out. And, and with nine teams making the ACC, my initial, you know, reaction was, yeah, that's great, nine teams. You know, that's that's good for the ACC. And then Twitter told me otherwise, but still think that's pretty good respect for the ACC. I know a lot of people don't think that, um, and they say the, the SEC is overrated. You know what? I, I I probably agree that the SEC is overrated. They're not as strong as in other years. But when you're strong year after year after year, you're gonna you're gonna have that happen. And um, so I, I would hope that ACC could take note and maybe start being strong year after year after year. Maybe we'd start getting some of those um, benefits. Yeah, and, and it, it's just it's gonna be interesting to see how the tournament plays out because I know folks are mad and Liberty is one of those teams that got in that NC state kind of feels they should have gotten in over. Um, yeah, but I'm kind of like you, they were the 10 seed in the ACC tournament Yeah, and, and you didn't win the conference. And I feel like anytime you're one of those bubble teams and you kind of know winning the conference means you're definitely in, turns out North Carolina is the ninth seed gets to be the ones gets to host a regional turns out they didn't need that uh conference championship game but yeah. nc state but did NC state was the team that played them i mean that yeah that's the NC first state argument did. that i make is that nc state did all but win that final game they did do a lot of winning in the acc tournament against good teams to prove that they were there um so i hear the argument but yeah you can't leave it up to people you got to take care of it on the field and 
more so than just winning the ACC title. There's a lot of games throughout the season that they wish they could have back, and that's that's baseball. I mean, that's you. It is. You're going to look back at di- little things, and and that's happens all the time. And I mean, you look at you look at uh, you know Wofford and ODU and NC State. You know, those are teams that are disappointed they didn't make it. Rutgers had a great year out of the Big Ten, didn't make it. Um, but FSU made it. Uh, Grand Canyon was, I'll admit, surprising. Um, Ole Miss was a team that at the beginning of the year had a lot of cachet, so um, not stunned to see them get in. And Liberty was a team that was ranked most of the year, not yeah. stunned to see them get in as an at-large. So uh, it turns out that, you know, I had said on this podcast, like, Davidson is maybe a team that could survive not winning the A-10. Turns out, no. Uh, they weren't even one of the first four out. So uh, they needed to win the A-10. So VCU yeah. VCU, good thing they won um, and they get in. But like I said, Missouri State is who we're pulling for to uh, win the Stillwater <laughs> Regional if VCU can win that Chapel Hill Regional. But looking at that, uh, you were talking about the Greenville Regional that UVA is in. You do feel bad for Coppin State because that is like the one team in that region that has no chance. Like <laughs> yeah. the other three teams. Every other team has history. Yeah, every other team has, you know, yeah, you're right, the history, the pedigree. And you could see finding a way to win that region. Cop and State right. is the one you look at and you're all right, they're the thanks for playing. Um, yeah. One and, of these are not like the other. Yeah, enjoy your time in Greenville. Here's a gift card to Applebee's or wherever you want to go after the game. Um, <laughs> but, like, they're just not – they're not a team that's going to have a shot there. Uh, for, for JMU fans, I guess the interesting thing here is the Sun Belt quite well represented. Yeah. Uh, in Georgia, softball, they were too. Yeah, Georgia Southern, uh, Coastal, Louisiana. Uh, those are three teams right there that are in the tournament from the Sun Belt. It's a multi-bid league. Um, Southern Miss, who will be joining, is in. So it's and gets to host a region. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how JMU can stack up there. Um, Went once third. That's not a sport that I necessarily That's, expect them to. No, it's not going to be easy sailing. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not going to be easy They're sailing. Step up over time. But I am excited for this not regional have to win the conference to do it though. That's I mean that's the point. It's, right. You yeah. Know, not you can be a top to three That's team and probably game. make it. Yeah, you can be a top three team and probably make it. Um, with an at large. I, I am excited for this region tournament to start because I think it's going to be a lot of great baseball. Um. And between the ACC and the SEC, a lot of good baseball being played there. Uh, you, then you throw in the Big 12. I mean, they've they've got some teams, too, with Texas, Texas A&M that are really good. Texas Tech is in this tournament as well. So You're, you're very in the lead here. Who's going to have the best uniforms? Well, that's the interesting thing, and I'll need to watch because I've been so focused on VCU. Um, with that hot black with the yellow, I mean, that's always nice. Yeah, it is. And uh, look, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say they're going to have better uniforms than Georgia and Hofstra and UNC. So I will, uh, I'll take VCU (laughs) and you can call me a homer. That's fine. Um, I do like Virginia Tech's uniforms, uh, when I've seen them play. So I still like that hammer, man. I love that home run hammer. That's, but that's that's not part of the uniform, but I know, but of the, of the non- I just and like I'll, that I'll just say this again, without saying. having seen them, these schools don't strike me as like the creative uniform, like Gonzaga, Columbia, Wright State. I just don't think I'm going to see anything cool. 
Maryland will probably have some cool-looking uniforms. I'm interested to see what they're wearing. Wake Forest is another that I think could maybe have something interesting. But you look at – it's going to be really come down to these schools and who has the best uniform and who can rock so, it. So those of you listening, that's how you interact with us this weekend is we want to hear uniform talk through the yeah. weekend. Yeah, send us pictures uh, of so why we'll that's the greatest uniform. Monday. Yeah, especially for me, Friday and Saturday I will be out of pocket for most of the beginning two – games and two rounds of the regional tournament uh with the valley league starting but uh the valley league starting yeah well we should talk to somebody about that well i mean we i guess we can i i just wish we had someone that we talk to regularly that you know knows the valley league john leonard is back with us from the Valley Baseball League and all things Valley League. John, welcome back to the podcast. This is your ninth appearance. Ooh, number number nine. All right. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So let's hopefully, just... hopefully we don't have too many just arguments where me and Joe are just arguing and you just sit back like you have in the past. Maybe <laughs> we can be a little cleaner this time. I, I do. I do bait you sometimes, though, to be fair. <laughs> So before I was rudely interrupted by Leland, uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, talk about the Valley League. Getting ready to start Friday will be the opening day in the Valley. Last Thursday. year's Thursday. Ooh, sorry. Thursday will be opening day in the Valley Baseball League. Uh, last year's <laughs> champs, the Strasburg Express. They beat Waynesboro for those that couldn't remember all the way back to last year. But both of those teams expected to be strong again, John. Yes, yes, both will be very good again. So who are some of the players, let's start with last year, who are some of the players that uh, have gone on to have great seasons and have really represented the league well? I know Ryan McCarty uh, was on the Golden Spikes semifinalist list. He was a Stanton Brave, and then Sonny Sonny Teixeira from Strasburg, also on the Golden Spikes semifinalist list. And Deshera was co-player of the year in the SEC, which is, is a pretty big. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's good. Uh, Rhett Lauder as well from Strasburg mm-hmm. uh, was named the pitcher of the year in the ACC out of Wake Forest. Um, there have been a number, a number of players that I haven't been able to research all of them, all of the leagues just yet, but a um, number of players have made the the all-conference teams. Um, for example, in the SEC, besides the Shara, uh, BT Ryo Pell also was he was first team at catcher, and then Wyatt Langford, who played in Charlottesville, mm-hmm. um, he was second team in the outfield. So yeah, we saw a number of guys that really uh, that used the the valley as sort of a, a jumping off point to have really good springs for their teams. And I know the Reds just recently. Speaking of Valley League alum, the Reds just recently called up a former Valley leaguer to make his major league debut and has actually looked pretty good so far. He has. Yeah. Graham Ashford uh, pitched in Waynesboro, I think in 2016. Don't quote me on that, but um, yeah, made his debut for the Cincinnati Reds. His first pitch was right down the middle at a hundred miles an hour. Cool. And uh, he, he acquitted himself quite well. <laughs> All right, let's get into this year, though, John. Who are some players that folks will need to keep their eye on in terms of being just expected to be top performers in the league? 
Well, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> because I, I have, uh, I did all of these previews. In fact, I just wrote the 11th preview this afternoon. Um, a number of, of power five guys coming to, uh, Strasburg and Charlottesville, for example, uh, Waynesboro has a bunch of guys from central Florida coming that are going to be very good. And of course, none of their names are coming to mind at the moment. <laughs> right. Um, well, they gotta, they gotta earn that, you know, they gotta earn us knowing that their names. Well, that's, that's part of it, right? Like, I, <laughs> and, and we don't know that these guys are actually going to show up. And that's part of my frustration sometimes with the previews is, you know, you spend a lot of time writing about some guys that might not even come because of injuries or um, opportunities elsewhere or, you know, girlfriends or whatever it may be. Sure. But uh, yeah, uh, we do have, we have four players coming whose fathers played in major league baseball before, uh, awesome. which is kind of interesting. Uh, Trot Nixon's son is going to be playing for Winchester. Uh, Gar Finvold, his son is going to be playing in Strasburg. Uh, El Duque, Orlando Hernandez's son, yeah. uh, he'll be playing in Waynesboro. Okay, so he's and, back. Wow. And Rex Hudler's son is going to be playing in Covington. So that's kind of cool. That is cool. Might get a chance to see those uh, former major leaguers at the ballpark this summer. Right. That's what I always liked when I was at Stanton Games when. Uh, when Ben Verlander was there and uh, to see Justin Verlander's parents there, that's how I would have phrased it all the time. Uh, that mm -hmm. was really cool. So, <laughs> yeah, I've Speaking. seen, I've seen Sid Bream at uh, Valley yeah. league games, for example. Yeah, that's fun. Speaking of Stanton, and this is like every year when you have you on for the preview, I, I just sit and wait to hear more about Stanton. Uh, I really don't care about all the other teams. Just tell me that Stanton's going to win the championship and, and then I'll be happy. Well, they might. I mean, they're all, they're all, they have it's a <laughs> this is, this is like spring training in major league baseball. It's, um, you know, it's, everybody has hope at this point. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I don't, you know, sure. Stanton can win in the playoffs. Anything can happen. So last um, year, I mean, they had the new man, they switched managers in the middle of the year. And then I know they have a new manager this year. Um, you know, what, what are you seeing about what, what we can expect, uh, based on where people are coming from for Stanton? Well, first of all, the, the head coach, his name is Chris Allen, who is an assistant coach at Bluefield university, um, had a very nice conversation with him on the phone. Uh, he's very excited to be in the Valley. Uh, and then, um, I think it's going to be his first head coaching experience. Um, but uh, returners for Stanton this year, uh, Grant Painter, I think, is probably the biggest name from JMU. Um, Joe De Los Santos from William and Mary, he played uh, quite a bit last year. I think he was uh, he was in the starting lineup in the outfield. Yep. Um, Reed Salata, also coming from UMBC, has already pitched for two years in the Valley. Um, that's always that's always fun to have. We've got a number of those guys actually. Um, yeah, third years are always fun because they're like, yeah, that's, that's kind of by the time I finally reckon, even when they're on other teams back when I used to go to a lot of games, it took until that third year before I would finally be like, oh, yeah, this guy's played before. <laughs> and, and I think some of the teams have like special promos that if a kid comes back for a third year, like they get to keep their jersey or something like that. Um, nice. I, yeah, I think Stanton is one of those teams. So that that'll be 
that'll be interesting. I was going to say, with with Reed Salata and Joe De Los Santos and Ty Barker even, I mean, I know those are returners that all mm-hmm. kind of were prominent on the staff last year. I think Jacob Matheny actually pitched quite a bit too. Um, yep, yep, he's back. So all guys coming back from Stanton that had pretty successful summers, and I know they're hoping – will have successful summers again. Uh, Joe DeLos Santos was a guy who hit over 300 at William & Mary this year. It was a stolen base mm-hmm. machine, much like he was in the Valley. And John, you know, doing a little bit of prep for the upcoming season uh, that I have to call for Stanton on radio, it, it does kind of look like their roster is constructed again as a team that's going to be looking to steal bases. Probably so. Um Stanton is a team like that, um, and I think that Woodstock is another team that has a lot of a lot of team speed that will steal a lot of bases. Also, I know you yeah. you alluded and kind of teased on Twitter a little bit, but go ahead and tell our audience Stanton has made some adjustments to John Moxie. Well, I heard that the outfield fence has been worked on. Um, yes. I don't I I don't think that they've made it any deeper. Uh, but I know I was talking to Lance Mock, the the sort of team uh, team president, and uh, he was he was he was complaining about his age when I saw him because he had been working on the fence all day. So we had a, we had that interesting conversation. Have you seen the the fence, Joe? I haven't seen it yet, but I was told at the end of last year that they were getting rid of that second level of signs. So there's only going to be one level of signs. That's less advertising space. That's a that's a big change. It's less advertising space, but it'll be easier to hit home runs. <laughs> well, and Stanton yeah. usually plays plays pretty uh, uh, as a pretty small ballpark most seasons. Yeah. So yep. that'll change your uh, park factors, will it not? It will. Yeah. That'll that'll be fun. Let's talk about the other team local to our area, the Waynesboro Generals. Again, runners up last year. They bring back Zach Cole as their head coach, uh, who's kind of become a Valley Baseball League legendary coach. I mean, he's had a lot of success at Newmarket. I think he even won a championship at Newmarket. He and, did, yeah, in 2018. And now he's back with Waynesboro. He is. This will be his third year in Waynesboro. Um, another interesting thing going on in Waynesboro is that Gerald Harmon did some of the recruiting for the team this year, um, along with Tyler Hoffman, who is also the general manager. Right. Um uh, Harmon has been a recruiter for, I can't remember the exact year. I think this is his 13th overall season recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, he recruited, he usually works with Mike Bocock, but this year he is working with Zach in Waynesboro. So it'll be very interesting to see if, uh, if Waynesboro has an uptick as well. Um, you never know, but uh, Gerald has a lot of, uh, lot of contacts in the coaching ranks. Sure. Well, I know you mentioned, um, you know, Waynesboro going to be one of those teams that's good again. And it is. I mean, they got guys like Victor Castillo who had successful seasons last year at Covington and Charlottesville. He was one of those mm-hmm. players that hopped to the Tom Sox when Covington season ended. And then uh, Zach Kirby's another one that leaps out at me as guys who had very good years last year that are now back on this team. And Edric Felix also, who was in Woodstock in 2021, he was an All-Valley League performer at shortstop, um, also had a very, very good year at uh, Central Florida, which is also where where Zach Cole is an assistant coach. 
How about that? It's all connected. And you and but if you're going to discuss Waynesboro, you probably have to start with Carmen Colley from Central Florida. Um, had a had an incredible season there. Um, hit 433, slugged 820, um, scored 63 runs, drove in 73 runs, hit 15 home runs, uh, more walks than strikeouts. I think he's going to be a, a pretty good performer in their lineup. So when we're looking at the league as a whole, is it looking more like a hitter's league to you or a pitcher's league this year? I think the league is going to continue to be a hitter's league. Um, it is harder and harder to get really good. Um, now, I need to be careful how I say this, right? Um, <laughs> we, we still we have kids that have um, good ability, but maybe not as much experience, right? So it's harder to get those the weekend starters sure. for college teams, and it's because they've they've thrown too many innings already. Um, and they often will shut down over the summer or or might get opportunities in the Cape. So the Valley League is they, they tend to use more pitchers who have less experience. So sometimes you end up with a kid who just is a diamond in the rough and really takes off in the summer. And then you're going to have some games where it's 10 to nine, where, you know, with 18 walks combined on the two on the two sides. Um, so my hunch is it's going to be a hitting uh, hitting year again, uh, but of course time will tell. So John, when we had a previous episode, you had messaged me complaining about my Miguel Cabrera potentially being one of the best oh. players to ever play the game. Oh, what gives? Oh, boy. I like he's, it. No, he's he's just not Joe. Well, I, I mean, come on. He's he's been he's been an excellent hitter. He's been a wonderful hitter over his career. He's putting up obviously Hall of Fame numbers, but I don't think he's in the top ten of top hitters that have played the game. I mean, you just yeah, I don't top ten. I mean, no. I looked it up that night on the spot because I didn't. I I was an argument that I wasn't prepared for. To just be honest, John, and then that's that's my you know lacking of a being a good podcast co-host with Joe is that I wasn't ready for some off the wall argument that I wasn't ready for. But I mean, I looked it up and I, I think what I say is like, he wasn't going to like his stats didn't even like stand out. There was like some stat line I pointed out right then on the spot that I was like, I mean, he's not going to even get this. And I can't remember what that number was. I'm trying to get back to it now, but yeah, I, I just was surprised to hear someone make try to make the argument that he was the greatest player of all time. Like, I, I get the Trout. I think Trout was where we were when we were talking, and I'm not I'm not really arguing that he can get there or whatever. But, yeah, Miguel, Miguel surprised me. Yeah, I don't – I don't uh... – <laughs> uh, I think this is, this is one of those – I wasn't prepared for this question either, Joe. But, um... <laughs> why do, well, I mean, that's it's, why we it's have you one on. of, it's one of it's one of those things that you really need to sit down and look at numbers and look at um, look at park neutral stats, for example, and over eras. And I don't I don't think I mean I bet there's just some more straightforward stats that we could just look at and put plenty of you know not plenty but like a number of guys in front of him. His first five years, he played at Pro Player Stadium, which was a giant cavern. So if he plays, only, if he doesn't play there, he probably has even more homes. Done. 
That's the only winning he's done. That's not true. <laughs> oh, which, you know what? Thank you. Because this is going to take me to making fun of Leland. Leland saying Mike Trout has to win I, a I World Series. No, 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 no. I actually went back and listened to that one podcast. Of the best. No, 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 no. Joe, I went back and listened, and I said, if they could win, it could help him, like help him in this. Hit. I'm not saying that he has to have that. He is one of the greatest as is. It's, I mean, he's he's there. He's great. I did not say he has to win. I believe and, and you guys immediately you jumped on me. No, I went back and listened. I did not say he has to win. You can't be, to be considered. considered one of the best if you've I never won a did World Did not series. say those words. Didn't say those words. So that's fine. I said it will help him if he could win a World Series, especially now at this latter part of his career. I think it, you know. People won't even argue with you and just be like, oh, yeah, like, how great is he? But I think that winning always helps, even in baseball, even where we look at guys that never did a large amount of winning. Here you go, John. Here's the argument between me and Joe where you sit back and just laugh mm -hmm. at us. But yep. you don't have to have that to be considered the best. I get that. I understand that. But it helps a whole lot when you can have that World Series ring on your finger with all those big stats. Yeah, um, I, I get it to a certain American extent. sports. I get it to a certain extent, but not among people who actually like are knowledgeable about the game. Like Derek Jeter is an overrated player because of the world championships he's won. He's not that good. He's average. He's actually a below average fielder. He's, he's like a top ten amount of hits in his, on his career. Like he's in the top ten for hits. So in the in forever in baseball. But yeah, go ahead. If he was a Pittsburgh Pirate, we would be laughing at him and being like, Derek Jeter's not even a Hall of Famer. Um, okay, but, like, if, if night was day and day was night, I, well, what are we gonna, like, my point is, Mike it. Trout is going to be the best player to ever play the game, and he's not going to win a World Series if he stays with the Angels. Although they are very good this year. They're very good this year, and I think that's a good thing for him. That was exactly what I said three weeks ago. They're not going to win one. <laughs> They're not going to win a World Championship, so I am not worried about that. But... Yeah. Joe, while you guys were arguing, I just listed two, four, six, eight, ten, like twelve guys that are better hitters okay, than go. Miguel Cabrera. I'm saying Ted players. Williams, Willie Mays, oh Hank gosh. Aaron. Ted Williams wishes he could hit in today's day and age. <laughs> Ted Williams trash, according to Joe. That's wow. We we've, we've established Babe Ruth. We talked about that. Okay, we talked about that Ted guy Williams. from the Valley League that got promoted and pitched 100 miles an hour. Ted Williams would be sitting there still standing, waiting for the pitch. He'd be like, "Where's the? When is he gonna throw it?" Stan Musial. So, this is. <laughs> I have Musial on the list. I have Joe Morgan, Edgar Martinez, Mickey Mantle, Frank Thomas, uh, Albert Pujols. See, this is. I don't. I've seen the Frank Thomas numbers. I still don't. If you're telling me I can have Frank Thomas or Miguel Cabrera, I'm gonna pick Miguel Cabrera, especially overall as a player. Well, I disagree. What's fun is that Derek Jeter has more hits than like half the guys he said. <laughs> he also had oh, lineup protection. He also played for a team that spent a billion dollars on their payroll every year. So see, this is this is what you did when we pitch, started to talk about pitch. it. Is you started putting qualifications on them. Yes. You started talking about their lineups, and if we're talking about just the best hitters, um. I don't know, Joe. I, I think you're off the mark with the Miguel Cabrera. I would I would have to do the research and really, really delve into it, but I just don't I don't think he's even top ten. 
I and I disagree. I mean, I think he's fantastic. I think from 2009, I'm looking I at think it now. He's fantastic. 2009 to 2016, top. he was ov- well over 300 every year. With over Ichiro under, has only yeah. under 30 or uh, yeah, only under 30 home runs twice. Rod Carew has more hits than him in less seasons. Ichiro Suzuki has more hits than him in less seasons. Um, I mean, there's a bunch that are same season. Like, I mean, it's just an argument. Like, for you to say he's top, it just, it's, I mean, that one surprised me too, Joe. Like, you had never said that to me that Miguel Cabrera was the best player ever. I, I just think when you start looking at some of the lists he's on and it gets down and you whittle it down and he's like the only one that has multiple batting titles, has been to multiple World Series, has a, I can't remember the exact thing I saw now. He's but, been to like two World Series. Yeah, World Series, there's a lot of players World who don't Series, go I thought, winning, I, thought going, I thought going to the World Series didn't matter. I thought that wasn't a qualification for being one of the best ever. So now it's we're not. using that? It's not. No. So we're using that now? No, we're only using it when it helps my argument. Um, <laughs> but I'd have to go find it. But the, the number of the list that he's on where it's like him, uh, John's Ted Williams and Hank Aaron, and then you keep whittling it down and then it's just Miguel Cabrera. He's the only one to do it. He's got over 500 home runs, over 600 doubles, over 3000 hits. I mean, he has played for some not good teams and been able to put up these numbers. That's no lineup protection. That means pitchers aren't pitching I'll take I'll take Willie Mays. I'll take Willie Mays over him. I'll listen to Willie Mays. And I'm not saying Miguel Cabrera is out and out definitely the best. I said I think you could make a case, I believe is what I said. <laughs> well, when you pull that together, we'll we'll be here. <laughs> Hey, did you guys know that T.R. Williams is going to be pitching in the Valley League this summer? Is he? What team for? For Newmarket. Good. Yeah. Where is he going to school now? Uh, he has transferred from Virginia Tech to JMU. To JMU. I didn't realize he went there. I knew he wasn't at Tech anymore. But, uh, yeah, that was a good story. For listeners that might not be up with us, uh, he was the pitcher from Page County. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you know what? I'm, not, I'm blanking on what illness he had, but he had the terrible illness during his senior season. Um where he was over at UVA hospitalized uh, during the season. And uh, so that's great. I'm, I'm glad he'll be out on the field this summer in the Valley League. That will be exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching him pitch. Yeah, somebody to root for. Yeah. I root for all he, the players. I don't his, know illness, his illness is spelled G-U-I-L-L-A-I-N-B-A-R-R-E syndrome. So that's uh, why I didn't. Wasn't, yeah. I wasn't at the tip of my tongue right there. <laughs> I've not, <laughs> I've not ever heard it pronounced, I don't think. So I would hate to hate to try there. Yeah. So, yeah. So great, great for him back out on the field. Um, I do want to circle back, though, to the majors, not senseless arguments. How, how are your Phillies doing? I, you know, I haven't watched <laughs> a Phillies game since April. How, how are they doing? They're awful. Wow. It's, yeah, it's welcome just, to the club. We're, we're Pittsburgh simple. and Baltimore fans here, so. Well, this is this is when this is when you look around at some of these other teams like Baltimore and you say, you know what? I think even though, you know, Baltimore is not going to make the playoffs this year, apparently, um, I would rather have the Baltimore Orioles future than the Philadelphia Phillies future. For sure. The Phillies might be better this year, but they're probably not going to make the playoffs either. 
So the Orioles, with all of their prospects, and with uh, Rodriguez probably being called up soon, um, they have so many really good young players. That's exciting. And Baltimore Orioles fans should be excited, and no matter what Buster only on says. Yeah, we're up 7 nothing on these jokers from Boston. I just, like, I keep saying I'm rooting for Baltimore, and I think it's more like I'm just trying to convince myself that I need to hold on to this as long as I can. Because I, I know at some point Joe is going to go from, like, hey, I'm, I'm happy Joe's finally seeing some success in baseball to Joe being insufferable. So, like, I just keep saying it over and over. Like, I'm rooting for these Orioles. They deserve it. This will be good because I know at some point Joe is going to drive me away from that feeling. I won't. I will not be attacking people <laughs> like you. I'll be attacking the Buster Olneys, who deserve it. Buster At some Olney, point, you're going to branch out just from Buster. You're just going to, you know, well, I mean, start flexing. Boston and New York fans, buckle up. But <laughs> outside of that, probably not. I don't I don't hate a lot. Of, well, the Blue Jays I'm not fond of, but they're whatever. Um, yeah, no, it's mainly Buster Olney that'll get most of my ire. Like, I just... And that old writer from Baltimore, you don't like that one guy that writes John for Heyman? Baltimore. Yeah, John Heyman. He doesn't write for Baltimore, but yeah. He writes tweets for Baltimore. He's also another guy who's in the national media that is an idiot. Yeah. Um, and then... But yeah, Buster Olney, like, Buster Olney absolutely should be arrested when the Orioles win the World <laughs> Series and escorted out of the stadium. All right, so I'm going to start cleaning this up a little bit and get us what we got last year. Uh, you recommended a bunch of good books, and that's different than most of our guesses because usually we just ask them what TV shows they're watching. So I'm not going to ask you about TV. I'm going to ask you about books. I haven't, I haven't read any more uh, Kurt Vonnegut books since we talked last, but uh, is, there, is there more coming that I need to read from him, or do you have other good recommendations? Um, Kurt Vonnegut passed away probably 20 years ago. <laughs> that shows my knowledge nice. of what he could do. <laughs> yes. I don't know him. I don't have to research the dude. I don't know. <laughs> Harper um, Lee's still right, putting out books, or she was, and I think she passed well, away. Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point, Leland. Harper Lee did, did come out with a book long after uh, she had passed away. Hey, that says uh, something about his writing that I feel that it's that current when I'm reading it. I feel like it's it's written today. That's that's a mm. compliment to him. He's timeless. Mm-hmm. In a way, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I can certainly recommend some books if you would like that. Uh, yeah, hit us up. <laughs> what do we got? Okay, 2007 he um, died. I'm just a little behind. I said 20 years, right? That's been 15? Yeah, no, you, too, you too far off. Maybe not quite 20, but two, no, no, no. I wasn't was arguing. Who has him still alive, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't arguing with you. I was just telling the people so they don't make the same mistake I do. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, one, of the, one of the best books that I've read in the past year is by Percival Everett. It's a book called The Trees. Um, it's got some, it's got some, some, uh, it's not like straightforward fiction. It's got some supernatural things in there as well, but he's, he is quite good and like comes out with a book almost every year. Um, let's see. If you want to do, if you want to read about baseball, have either, either of you read Joe Posnanski's the baseball 100? I haven't. It's, it's amazing. I loved it. I just uh, inhaled it in a very short amount of time. 
Um, and then if you're looking for other nonfiction, I would say Austin Channing Brown wrote a book called I'm Still Here, uh, Black Digni Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. Um, also, tremendous book about her experiences in the workplace in particular. So this, it, it appears like it's probably different than uh, Walking Phoenix's movie, I'm Still Here. Probably a different vibe to it. Probably, yes. I have not <laughs> seen that movie, but yeah, I think that's, that's probably safe. Now, when I Googled it here, it just came up as something that you, I don't want to see. So there, there you go. I need to book. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I see you now. Yeah. Right. A lot of books named I'm Still Here, so they, they should sort this out. <laughs> so, so, unless Joe's got something in the same region, I want, last year, you, you kind of narrowed your view of, who, of where we were looking for Valley League champions from. And I think especially early in the season, you were nailing it. Um, and then I think things got off track. So, but I want to, I want to be able to, you know, no, he was pin ready. something on the wall. I'm looking for bulletin board material for all the other teams or the majority of the teams that, you know, John Leonard doesn't have faith in you. You got to prove John Ron. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Who, who's winning it this year? Who's, who's got the best chance? And I'll even take two answers. I'll even take like a North and South. <laughs> well, I think last year I did get the final teams right. Did you? Did yeah. But you but made I fun think of I got halfway through the year, but he got it right. But I think I got the winner wrong. I think I picked Waynesboro to win when Strasburg Strasburg actually won. Well, I, I would I would go if you're looking for bulletin board material. I think that these, I think that Strasburg and Charlottesville and Waynesboro probably have probably have the best talent from doing these preseason interviews and write-ups. Um, and then I would, so then I would say uh, it's going to be one of those three teams that's going to win this year. Okay. Uh, but I, I am really like, I think there's going to be a number of interesting storylines this year. I know Mike Bocock in Woodstock sort of handpicked his team this year and he has a bit of uh, quite a bit of talent coming but more like jc kids like junior college and community college kids hmm. um so i'm and then of course you know last year i didn't know what winchester was going to have and then they ended up with a murderer's row of a lineup with uh three of the probably top seven hitters in the league mm -hmm. um so i I hope that I'll be surprised, but uh, I would, if I were a betting man, which I am not, Joe, uh, I would, I would, league, it's illegal. I would, <laughs> I would say Strasburg, Charlottesville, or uh, Waynesboro. Now, Charlottesville also has a first-time head coach, uh, so that will be interesting to see how his name is Ramon Garza. He played for two years in the league, and uh, has has a. Uh, I think he's going to be fine, but he doesn't have as much experience as George Loss in Strasburg and Zach Cole in Waynesboro. But hey, let's see. Yeah, you know what? That's a great point, John. That Loss in Strasburg and Cole in Waynesboro, the two teams that were in the finals last year, both of those teams had coaches with tons of experience and that not only general head coach experience, but in the Valley League, in these summer leagues in particular, it's kind of a different animal than a normal 
baseball coaching job. And I know you and I have talked about this mm-hmm. in, in car rides to VCU and over dinners and at ballparks watching games. It There's just a lot more ins and outs and odd things that you have to manage during a summer in one of these leagues than you do with any other kind of baseball. It's true. I, you know, oftentimes, and I was talking with Brett Fuller, uh, who is the head coach in Percival, talking about, talking about this with him as well. And, you know, oftentimes these players show up in the summer and they're exhausted. Yeah. They, they had fall ball, they were working out all winter. And then in the spring semester, they're just, they're playing baseball every day. And then they have to travel to this place they've never been before, many of them, and play a game, you know, play five or six games a week for another eight weeks. And they're really, really tired and maybe burned out a little bit. And I, and I think learning to manage some of those issues are they're some of the, that's some of the most important things. And I, I've always been somebody that's kind of downplayed the idea of chemistry when it comes to baseball, you know, like it's, it's such a one-on-one sport, you know, the batter is against the pitcher. Uh, but I, I saw something happen in Strasburg last year where those kids got along and really cared for each other. And I thought, you know, George worked super hard on that with that team and they were there in the end. I, I, so I think chemistry is important in the summer as well. Um, even though I kind of hesitate to say that about baseball, um, I think I think the the kids' well-being in the summer is probably as important as anything else, if that makes sense. Sure, and there's also a difference between you know player to player chemistry versus manager to player chemistry. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think it's particular in Strasburg. You saw that at the end of the year too. Those those kids love George, and George loved those kids. Well, when when was the last time that a title winning team got twelve players back from that team? Yeah, for the next year. That's scary. Now, now Percival has twelve players coming back as well. And like I've never seen this many for two teams. Like it's it's amazing, and I think that does nothing but help. But to win the title and then have twelve guys want to come back and do it again. I mean, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah, you're walking right into Joe's. I, I say this all the time when I'm doing, like, high school football previews. I'm like, hey, I mean, this this team, they have, you know, you know, 30 guys back on their roster. And he's like, yeah, but they were, you know, three and seven last year. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you're walking right into Joe's usual armor. But, yeah, I mean, I think especially in the Valley League, you're only two months of a season and it all hits so fast. Like, that coming together time minimized. I think it, it probably does mean more in the Valley League than it, than it might in other sports and other other type of leagues. Yeah, just imagine that. 12, 12 guys coming back to Percival and Strasburg. You know, first day that they're there, they know exactly what to expect. Yeah. They know what's going on. Uh, they know what the, the bus rides are going to be like. Um, they know what the stadiums are going to be like. I, yeah, I think it definitely gives teams uh, teams a leg up. I like that they stuck with the schedule thing too, where they have those double headers on the weekends for the North versus the South. I like that. I know, you know, coming out of COVID that that was like a new thing. I'm glad they're sticking with that. I think that's good for the league. Yes. I, I, uh, it's, it's a novel idea and I, I liked it as well. I don't, I don't know if that's going to continue into 2023 Uh, um, with the 12th team with Culpepper coming into the league. 
that makes scheduling easier. So I'm not sure what will happen. Of course, that's it's above my pay grade, but um, mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy it while we have it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I do want to ask before we get you out of here, John, because that was going to be one of my things I asked you was about Culpepper. Um, but you already, already touched on that uh, next year, bringing the Valley, bringing a 12th team in. But I do want to say kind of with the number of players returning on these teams, the COVID extra years of COVID eligibility that these players have. And then that kind of trickles down to these summer leagues, like the Valley league, where that gives them extra eligibility in the Valley league as well. And these teams are Mm -hmm. taking advantage of that going with, you know, the kids they know versus unknowns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it just, it it just seems like some of these kids have been around forever, you know, like Logan, you mentioned Logan Amos. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's been, what, this Mm -hmm. is three years for him in Charlottesville. Uh, one year in Covington and now two in, okay. in yeah. Charlottesville. He was scheduled to come in 2020 as well, uh, but but the league was canceled. And uh, you know, you, who's been here three years in Stanton. You look at Jalen Lee, who has an extra year of eligibility, and he's going to be taking grad. He's going to start a grad program at JMU, and uh, it's going to play for the Turks after having a, a pretty good summer last year with Woodstock. Yeah, I think I think you have a lot more a lot more kids out there looking for opportunities. Well, that's great. And, you know, it always seems like we're talking about other leagues and, you know, stuff going on there, too. And it the MLB Dream League didn't zap the Valley League as as much as I feared. And I hope that continues to be the case. And I like seeing the Valley League be able to be in a place where it can expand there to a 12th team and get the number of teams even and, as you said, make scheduling easier and, and all that. I think it's going to be a very good addition to the league. Yes. Agreed. Well, John, we'll get you out of here now. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us about the upcoming Valley Baseball League season, and uh, I'll see you around the summer. Yeah, sounds great. I hope to see both of you out at some games. i got to make a point of it. I'll be there. I might drag uh, three kids with me, but I'll be there. <laughs> Excellent. (laughs) Thanks, John. Sure thing. Thanks again to John Leonard for coming on and talking to us uh, and putting up with our shenanigans on and off air. Um, But (laughs) we we give him a rough time. (laughs) uh, Leland, what is dominating your life? What is dominating my life? I won't say it's dominating. I did, was able to grab a couple more episodes of my Drive to Survive F1 show that you talked about for multiple years. And then I finally started watching a couple weeks ago. And uh, I'm enjoying it because it just hit, uh, you know, the pandemic. And it's just interesting to see behind the scenes footage of how a pro sports um, organization dealt with that. And, and some of the stuff they were saying leading into it, like the one guy's wife calling him like, you are wearing a mask, right? You know, and it's, it's February, you know? So like we all there, we're there too. And I can remember all my feelings then. And I remember in February saying, I'm sick of talking about it. And so here watching these guys after the fact, I think it's interesting knowing where it goes and everything and knowing they get back to the track. So uh, that is interesting. That's the spot I am on drive to survive. But uh, I watched a bit of the race this weekend because it's in Monaco, and that's one I traditionally do take some in. Uh, Memorial Day, Sunday, 
I generally find myself, you know, not motivated on that Sunday morning to be out running around and I find ESPN on mid morning. And that's exactly what happened this year. I will say probably a little more um, meaning to watch it, not just where sports center. Oh, here's this F1. Oh, look how fast they go. It, it's, I think it's fun. I it's, it's a really interesting aspect to come into the sport where I put the race on, it's in rain delay and all this, and I don't have a whole lot of breakdown for it. Um, but I have on in the background as I'm cooking breakfast for my kids and to hear them just rattle off names and stuff. And I know exactly who they're talking about. And I, I, it's just interesting for me not to be like a lifelong fan. Like I am of the traditional sports that I've watched in baseball and football and basketball and have that background and be watching it currently and know who people are just because of watching the games I'm watching about their personal life and how they're addressing things on the track and, you know, watching a show that's not really results oriented, you know, they, they build up some drama with some of the results of who's finishing fifth. It's not just who wins the race. And so you hear about all these guys and learn about their personal life and the guys that kind of like more than others and knowing what, um, you know, uh, I, I get, forget what they call him, but the guy in charge of, of the, the race team teams, principal. Um, team principal. principal, yeah. Like what they think, you know, I, I'm imagining the Red Bull guy as he has two Red Bull cards in the top three. And I'm imagining, you know, what Williams is doing because of some old information. And I know Haas has two cars off the track. And I know what that, you know, like I can just picture the drama that's going to be on the next season of Drive to Survive. So I found that interesting. I enjoyed my viewing awareness of it more so because of that background now did i sit there and watch every second no and i just was peeking at the standings and when they went to a timed ending instead of lap ending i thought it was really strange and i even called you to be like what the heck's going on here but i think it was a a rare weird thing with weather and they had two red flags early because of weather so i think they were just trying to get what they could but you also realize these it's just it is a bit dis- different than NASCAR where you do feel like anybody can kind of win or, you know, there's a good amount of people that can win it, it. Those top cars are always in the top and, and um, seeing one team kind of further down in the race standings than what I'm used to seeing where I'm at on drive to survive, I think is interesting. And I'm going to get interested in seeing how that is coming about and seeing Red Bull back up there that I find that interesting, but um yeah, I'm still not glued to it, and I don't. I don't know if I'm going to get there. I think I'm enjoying the 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 behind the scenes, and I think I'll still take that in. But I I just don't see myself being a weekly fan of this at this point. But I, I'm definitely valuing at least knowing what's going on better, and I'm taking more enjoyment out of what I am seeing than I ever would without that Drive to Survive series. So overall, I'm happy about how much I'm liking it, and uh, and maybe I'll prove myself wrong at some point. Yeah, I'd say um, you probably watched more than I did this week because I haven't even gone back to finish watching the recording yet because I saw I had the winner spoiled for me uh, on Twitter. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, then I've seen how they get in the position they do, and I don't need to watch anymore to know what happens there. Now, some other stuff did happen. One of the drawbacks that it's a lot of races in F1. now, there was some stuff that happened afterward that I might go back and watch eventually just to see see it happen and hear the in-race audio that they play for you during the race um, mm-hmm. of the drivers and principals communicating. But, um, yeah, I, I will say, like, because of the show, it got me into the sport. And it's not 
there are weeks that run together and it's consecutive, but it's not necessarily every week, which I think helps me stay more involved with it than I would if it was every week. Um, it's a quicker race for the most part. I know this one wasn't because oh, yeah. of the rain delays. Two hours or less. And of. normally, yeah. like normally, even when it rains, there's not rain delays. It takes heavy, heavy rains to put these cars off the track. And and the initial delay in this race wasn't that, but then it was. And it, it was right. people looking at the radar, not people looking at what was actually happening. And another thing that, kind of the right, call. right, another thing that hurt that is just it being Monaco. Like Monaco is a, what they call a city circuit uh, versus like a, a speedway or a track. Um, and so because of that, the walls are right on the edge of the track. There is no wiggle room. They don't have to worry a whole lot about people, quote unquote, leaving the track to gain an advantage outside of the chicanes. That's not really a thing. You're going to hit a barrier and there is no advantage to hitting the barrier. Um, but, uh, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, some of the teams, as you said, are, are better than others and there's, it's not just watching who's going to win, although that's the most important thing in terms of money and championships. But sure. there are other storylines there in the show. And it's, that's why I'm trying to get you hooked on soccer, because there are other storylines there, too. Like, obviously, winning the league is important, and winning these tournaments and cups is important. But then there's the race for fourth to get in the top four. There's the race to stay promoted in the Premier League. There's the race in other leagues to get promoted. Mess, yeah, Oof. the race is to get promoted in the Premier League. Uh, yeah. which was this weekend. Um, and that just a lot going on there, but, um, I with, mean, with the, part of racing though, go ahead, go ahead with the, with the F1. I mean, like during that Monaco race, like I'm watching the recording of it and I finally get to where they're getting ready to race. And you just see one of the drivers who is notoriously in the back anyway, just his car drives off and hits a barrier. And you're like, yeah, that's about right. Like yeah. I can only imagine, like you said, I, my thing was, I cannot wait to hear the team principal spin that mess on Drive yeah. to Survive. Because, yeah. like, he's just having a terrible year. And, I mean, there are already fans on social media that are like, they should go to this other younger guy that it maybe could be a valuable F1 driver. This guy is very obviously not going to be it. So, and you feel bad for him a little bit. But um, it, it's it's interesting to see how all that's going to shake out. And, you're right. What did, I already know the team you're talking about, but for people that maybe are watching Drive to Survive and are not watching this year, I don't want to spoil anything for you, um, so I won't say who it is, but there's another team that has kind of taken their place and risen up, and that's been interesting to watch. And you want to yeah. see if they can have the the staying power to hang there with Red Bull this year or not. So... I did find it interesting to kind of pair because, you know, Memorial Day Sunday is a big race day. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Dan, Dan Hansen, who's been on the podcast, my brother-in-law, it's always a big day for him. And usually we see each other somewhere around there and he's talking about his what he's already watched, what he's about to watch or going into it. And this year he was traveling. So I was kind of, you know, watching it in his honor and, and trying to I didn't really do a good job of keeping him up to date because I knew he was at least tracking it, but he wasn't able to watch. So I watched my F1 more so than ever. And then I made sure I was aware of the IndyCar and at the end, particularly, and then the NASCAR, which I'm generally there, especially on this race at the end of the NASCAR one in Charlotte, because there's been a lot of great finishes in the Coca-Cola 600. Um, and it just, it seems like I'm always available. That, a night race on Sunday with being off on Monday kind of works in my favor. I find it interesting. Both those go green, white checker finishes and produce really exciting results, you know, at the end of these races. And the uh, 
the IndyCar, very close ending, and, every, you know, both people had chances. Very interesting. And then the NASCAR, they tried it once, and there was another wreck before the, the white went down. So then they did, you know, double overtime is kind of how they phrase it. And then Denny Hamlin wins, and that was really exciting. And, um, and that was the guy I was yelling for, so it worked out. I, I just find it interesting in those race leagues that they're supporting more parity. I'm not saying complete parity, but more parity than F1 that really doesn't seem as concerned about creating that race drama that those other two do. And I just, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's something I feel lacking over here in the F1 that I, I wish there was a little more race drama than what I've experienced at the top, at, at the number one spot in these close finishes and an idea that any of these, like, I mean, in that NASCAR race, when they're racing in Charlotte, it's a different kind of track than a city circuit like they're racing. But like any one of these 10 can do it. And all of a sudden here comes um, the number three car out of nowhere, just barreling up and he nearly gets it. And then it gets loose and causes that wreck. But like, really, there was a group of cars that Hal had a chance at the end. And I, every time I've watched an F1 race, it, there's not that drama. No, you're watching. It never exists, but it, yeah. it generally doesn't. You're watching for two cars, basically. Right. There's two cars that have a legitimate shot to win in a right. certain week. And usually you can probably tell because the qualifying and the practice leading up gives you a good idea who that's going to be at a certain track. And, and that is because of the differences, right? Like F1. Changed... They're racing like engineering more so than they're racing right. cars. They, <laughs> they changed the regulations that you can have on the cars this year to kind of shuffle it up and help the other teams kind of catch up a little bit. Good. But it's still kind of, it doesn't take the other teams. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take the good teams long to figure out how to get the best out of the new rules. Yeah. Whereas, you know, with NASCAR and IndyCar, like every car has to be this, like there is no wiggle room in what you can do. This is how your car is going to be. This is what it's going to be. You can, change engines if you want but this is what you've got in terms of everything else versus f1 where you can play with a lot of stuff to get the best out of your car and money is a major factor in separating those teams from each other as well in f1 but i i didn't watch any other races um i i caught about i'd say a third maybe maybe close to half of the F1 race and that's it. The um, softball outcome kind of helped me catch some of that in the car and yeah. kind of motivated to find something else to be happy. I about. joked, I joked with the folks I was watching with cuz I didn't know IndyCar had added windshields to the cars. Yeah. I um, that too. And I I had noticed that and I was like that makes it feel a little safe for me. It's a little too safe. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was like mm, I don't know what it is but that feels a little too safe. Uh, and, uh, but no, I saw that, uh, that guy won in Sweden is now one of eight countries that have multiple winners of, mm-hmm. uh, the Indy 500. Uh, and then I did I, not watch any other IndyCar race in the season. I, no, I'll say that. Straight no, up. it's just that the fact that they're at Indianapolis, it's, it's on the that Indy weekend. 500. Yeah. 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 yeah like, I get you. I never, I don't know the people in it. I recognize some of the names because I think of lineage or something, but other than that. Sure. Um, the Champions League final was Saturday. That was Liverpool versus Real Madrid. It started late because of just a total kerfluffle outside the stadium in Paris, which is still being investigated. And depending on who you ask, 
will depend on what story you get on what happened to cause that. UEFA officials, and UEFA is the governing body of the Champions League and the governing body of European international football, um, says that Liverpool fans showed up. The first story was they showed up late. And because a bunch of people showed up late, they couldn't get through the gates, and then people tried to storm the gates. Video evidence very quickly provided a contradicting story to that, um, showed that UEFA officials had shut four of the five gates on the Liverpool end, which caused a giant bottleneck. And we're talking thousands of people bottleneck trying to go now in one gate. And so people spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to go to this match. So then they kind of go a little extreme, hopping the fence, and that creates a problem, and they're tear gassing and pepper spraying people outside the stadium, which, never good. Once once it got shown that, actually, you closed four of the five gates, what were you doing? The story changed to, well, it turns out, you know, thousands of people got in with fake tickets. And so then... We had too many people. To which I'm, my question is, how is your security so bad that fake tickets are getting into the stadium? How do you, like, when you're scanning these tickets, how does it not catch that these are fake tickets? I, would be my question. I don't know. So I think UEFA just, for whatever reason, messed up. And it created a problem. And the match started late. Started with some really weird circumstances and you had some interesting commentary going on while that's going on because they're extending the pregame show the announcers on the tv are like man we want answers we don't have them we want to give them to you and then you have some of the announcers not sugarcoating and not mincing words for uefa and fifa in it which i don't think you would get in a similar situation here in america which i find fascinating anytime I'm watching broadcasts in other countries. I am, I am always amazed at the contrast at how it happens in America. F- F1 had it, too, with their delays. The yes. Early decision on the Constant track. criticizing of, of the organized body that's doing it. And I think, honestly, I think that's because these networks aren't as beholden to their league partners. Like, could you imagine if the Super Bowl was delayed you know, Fox taking a shot, like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman taking a shot I mean, at the NFL. It was delayed at halftime the other year. I mean, not the other year, a while ago when the lights went out. And yeah, it it would have been crazy if they're sitting there like the NFL has to have their crap together here. No, you heard, you know, unknown issue and this and that, you know, like you didn't hear. Bending over like, backwards to make sure happen. nobody looks bad. Whereas right. in Europe, they don't care. If they think you're not up, if, if they think you're up to something, they will let you have it. In fact, <laughs> the sideline reporter, when they're saying, well, the official statement out of UEFA is, you know, Liverpool fans are showing up late and blah, blah, blah. The one guy at the desk goes, well, I have video of fans I know, because he's a former Liverpool player and knows other Liverpool fans. He goes, I know fans that were in line two and a half hours before the game started that still aren't in the stadium. So that's not true. And then you have a pitch side reporter saying, because obviously, and for folks that don't know, there is a comparable incident that happened in England about 30 years ago called Hillsborough and the Hillsborough disaster where Liverpool fans were actually killed during 
an FA Cup where they just let they just stopped checking tickets and just let people rush the gate because they didn't know what they were doing and didn't have proper security and fans died because of it. Um, and I believe it was 96 people died because of this incident. And so the British government then blamed drunk Liverpool fans, not the police and security noticing the problem at hand and doing, taking steps to relieve the situation before people had died. And it created people getting crushed against metal pins and barriers and being suffocated and dying. Um, one of the pitch side reporters saying, well, the bad news for UEFA is, unlike 30 years ago, there's a camera everywhere, so their fake cover-up won't be able to take hold. And I was just, when he said that, I was like, I can never imagine someone taking a shot at the no, NBA or NFL here. Not. Just being he like, wouldn't be calling the game anymore. Yeah, the NBA would call and be like, that guy's out. He's not even calling the game. Get him out now. Like, that would be it. And so I respect it. I respect the hell out of it. And I know, I don't want to turn this into something else, but that's why I do think media being independent from corporate sponsors or whatever they're covering is important. I do think there, ha- there is importance there. And that's why you do need a strong, credible media to do things like that. Because I don't like if the NFL had a similar situation and was just like, well, you know, it's the fans' fault. It's not our fault. It's the fans' fault. I don't want the major broadcasts being like, yeah, what the league told us to say. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable as a fan watching it because I'm like, I don't trust you. So I do. I did appreciate that. Now, to the actual match, which sucked. Um, Real Madrid ends up winning 1-0, beating Liverpool, who had their chances. They just didn't convert and finish. Um, they lost. Uh, Coutois, the Real Madrid keeper, had a phenomenal match, so good that he was man of the match because of his acrobatic saves and keeping Liverpool out of the net. And um, it just stunk for Liverpool to, to drop that. And now they've got one of their top forwards saying he definitely wants out and is potentially going to Germany to play for Bayern Munich. Now, the good side is Liverpool kind of had a contingency plan. If him or Mohamed Salah had said that they were leaving, they kind of had players ready to fill in that void. So it won't be as detrimental, but it's still a blow. Sadio Mane is really good. Salah did say today that he's coming back next year. So that's good because he is my favorite Liverpool player. So I'm glad to see he's back. But it did stink losing the Champions League final to Real Madrid, but still a good season for Liverpool and they'll be back. All right, so for, I think, what we both know that you need to know, let's uh, just set up where we're at and uh, reaction for it being Celtics versus Warriors. Are you surprised that the Heat didn't get that spot? And who you got? After game five, I knew the Heat were done. I was surprised the Heat got it to a game seven. Yeah, but game I did- six was even when they won game six, I did not think they were going to win game seven. So um, the Celtics winning did not necessarily surprise me in that sense. That being said, Golden State will win that series in five. So gentlemen about it. They will be. I think Golden State wins. I agree. I'll just say six just to be different than you, but I think Golden State's the better team. You know, that's a team that I, rooted for when they first got that crew kind of together and started going and it was kind of a new thing. And then I, I moved away from it. I just, I wasn't feeling it. You got to respect that they did it before Kevin Durant was there. They won. 
They won while Kevin Durant was there, and here they are looking good to win again after Kevin Durant's there. So they've done it every which way. Um, they were most dominant when Kevin Durant was there. It's because and Kevin Durant's one of the three best players in the league, and that and okay, but they're still very good without him. You kind of I I really like Steve Kerr. I don't remember ever having a problem with Steve Kerr. I liked him as a bull. I liked him as a spur. I like what he says off the court because I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, because I think he he's lived a lot of this. I, I I've heard him speak about the gun violence and knowing that his dad died from gun violence. Um, was I think it means a lot to me, and so I'll take that from him. And uh, so I, I like a lot of what he does, and then I respect the rest. I respect that Steph Curry is one of the greatest shooters of all time. I respect that. Um, what? Um, oh my goodness! How my uh, 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 Clay? I respect how Clay good Thompson. he is, and you yeah. didn't see that coming. And and I don't like Draymond, uh, Draymond Green. But man, he's a role player and he does it well, and and I so I respect it, and I and I don't like him. I I really don't like Draymond Green at all. I'm not one of the people that tune into this podcast, but I respect him playing in his role, staying in his lane, and that adding up to championships. I think that's really important and good examples of of how basketball teams should be built. So uh, I respect the Warriors. I think they'll win. Um, I'm not necessarily rooting for that, and I'm not really rooting for the upset either. So oh, there you have that. In the NHL, the Carolina Hurricanes lost their first home game of the postseason. Unfortunately, it was a game seven, and they are outie five outy. The New York Rangers came back and beat them. So yeah. it'll be the Rangers and the Lightning in what will be a matchup of two hot goaltenders with Shesterkin and uh, the Lightning goalie that is escaping me, Vasilevsky. Um, and then your Lanch get the Oilers, and I do not see the Avalanche having any problem with the Oilers. Ooh, don't say that because everything else you've seemed to predict in this NHL playoffs hasn't really worked out. So don't don't also say that. true. I'm the, mm-hmm. I'm the one that's been producing the Avalanche. I've grabbed a hold of that early. I think I, it's a carryover from last year, and I and I'm holding on to that. So don't you start. I did get up. three or four wrong this round, which really sucked. Um, yeah, yeah, I did I much better. <laughs> I did much better in the first round. The second round was not good. Um, the Avalanche were actually the only one I got right. My 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 main goal is. Colorado Avalanche in the Stanley Cup Finals, and Patrick Roy comes out. Roy comes out of nowhere and, and play. Wah, spelled Roy. Patrick Roy comes on in and plays for him. That's what I'm really holding out hope for. That's why I'm on, on the Avalanche. You I better hope that, that doesn't happen because the goalie they have is actually really good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I do like the Avalanche, and I think they'll see the cool. Lightning. I, I, I just want to see the guy that's been retired for 20 years. Come Tampa back. Bay Lightning will find a way to beat the Rangers uh, and, and get back to another Stanley Cup as they look to three-peat for, like we said last time, the first time since the 80s that someone has three-peated in the NHL. Yeah, Patrick, he, he retired in 2003, so really right about 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, And then, he was old then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you your official is Lanch uh, Lightning. Lanch Lightning is my official prediction. So everybody get ready for the Rangers Oilers in the uh, NHL. Playoffs. If the Oilers make the Stanley Cup, I will be stunned. I will be stunned if the Edmonton Oilers. Well, you're always against the Canadian teams. That's been a, a common. Play. Well, they're just not as good. Like, I'm, it's not my fault. They're just not as good. That being said, they will absolutely 
yeah. guess we had to have one of them, right? Like they, they set it up. We we still have to have one Canadian team in here, right? We didn't have to, but it kind of worked out that way where it was Edmonton versus Calgary in the second round. So one of them had okay. to make it this far. Technically, okay. both of them could have lost, um, and we would have had different the Kings last have, year coming out of COVID or in the yeah there would have been something. a Canadian yeah. team in the conference yeah. finals, but they found yeah. a way to not win. Um, gotcha. Which surprise. Um, yeah, I, I do think Edmonton has Connor McDavid, who might be the best player in the series, but unfortunately, Cumper uh, is a better goalie, and the Avalanche have more than just one player that are really, really good, and so I, that's why I take them over the Oilers. I would take them in six over the Oilers, and then I say the Lightning win in five over the Rangers, just because I don't think the Rangers have the star power to hang with the Lightning. I just watched the Lightning beat the best team in hockey in four games, so I don't think the Rangers are going to have enough, especially after having to expend so much energy against the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, that's it. I mean, it's going to get a lot of NHL eyes with the team from New York, you know, the Rangers playing against a team that's won so many in a row. Like, that's that's good for the NHL, like, that has to make them think they're going to excite fans the most that way or, or potentially bring in some guys, people that – haven't been watching so um i doubt that proves too much true but they'll maximize i think is what i'm trying to say there so that'll be fun to watch yeah uh so make sure you guys are telling your friends about this podcast that we're doing if you're enjoying it so much make sure your friends know about it because we keep talking about high school local sports and i know we're getting done with the high school seasons here but we will be talking VBL all season and still be talking about all the sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. I want to take a quick second thinking a, a lot of these people that help us throughout the season. Um, you know, I think today's a good reminder. Um, you know, I, I, I personally to produce the notes that we use for this podcast, have to use Twitter, have to use online resources to, um, to have the information for us to know the results. And, and on a day like today with so much action going on, and 3C and 2B today, and then tomorrow 1B will be at it. Um, I'm, you know, Shenandoah uh, District Baseball, the Shen Baseball 7 Twitter uh, is a huge help, and uh, I've actually reached out to him previously and, and thanked him for what he does for his coverage of the baseball. But then the, the usuals, the people we have on our podcast, like Cody Elliott uh, and Patrick Height and, and everybody else, and anybody I'm uh, you know, not mentioning, but anybody that I get scores through on Twitter – particularly those people, I want to thank them for uh, the effort that they make online because, you know, re resources are less than they used to be, um, but then easier to access through Twitter than they used to be. So it's just that dynamic uh, makes it interesting. So I want to thank those people for their effort in the show, uh, for what they do for this podcast. And again, you know, we just had him on tonight, but yeah, pretty Leonard, soon, yeah, John I, Leonard, uh, and you can find him on Twitter at John ATVL. He is going to have all the Valley League coverage you will ever want, and more. I mean, he is going to have everything you could possibly want to know about the players and the teams this year. When, when you're, you, if you are interested you in Facebook site, yes, you it has more than you could ever even like you. It tells you information you didn't know you wanted to know when you download and you purchase his um, almanac. Almanac. It has it, it has facts that I didn't know I needed to know, but I do need to know. And I, and uh, it, he is just an absolute resource of so much information. He puts so much time into it, and it shows, and it's it's so valuable. Yeah, and you're gonna 
when you want to follow not just Stanton and Waynesboro that we're bringing you on this podcast, but when you want to follow these other teams in the Valley, how's Charlottesville doing? How's Percival, Winchester, these other teams? How's George doing up at Strasburg? Yeah, how is Loss doing in Strasburg? Follow him on Twitter. He will have those answers, and you will be able to follow along with the league all summer long. He is great at it, and we thank him for, as I said, taking the time to talk to us and, and deal with our nonsense. Us. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I think I think we turn it up with him now just because we do because uh, he's so funny with dealing with our nonsense. <laughs> I just appreciate when he agrees with me on something baseball. I, I'll take what I can get from him. But make sure if you want to hear more about our local sports and the sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan, that you are following us and also interacting with us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter and Facebook or emailing us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. That way, if we're not talking about something that you and Augusta County sports fan care about, we at least have a chance to know that you're interested. Subscribe to us on Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify. And again, I'll end where I started to tell your friends. And we'll be back next week to get into some state playoffs for these high school football, uh, football, <laughs> spring sports teams, and also the VBL season kicking off. So we look forward to talk to y'all next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.